The Bradford Exchange presents The Classic Radio Theater with your host, Carl Amari. Countdown for blast off. X minus one. Yes, it's Maxwell House Coffee Time, starring George Burns and Gracie Allen. Richard Diamond, private detective. The Johnson Wax Program with Fibber McGee and Molly. Suspense. It's time once again for another comedy episode of Our Miss Brooks. Dragnet. We offer you escape. Kraft presents the Great Gildersleeve. Yeah. I'm that man. Matt Dillon, United States Marshal. Good evening, friends of the Inner Sanctum. The Jack Benny Program. Welcome, everyone, to episode 80 of the Classic Radio Theater. Each week, the Bradford Exchange and participating sponsors bring you three hours of the classic radio theater, featuring programming from the golden age of radio. This time, we'll hear two half-hour episodes of the story of Dr. Kildare, starring Lou Ayers and Lionel Barrymore. We'll begin after this short break. In 1949, MGM Studios decided to embark on a new and potentially very profitable business venture, producing transcription discs of radio programs for syndication. Convinced they could build on the success of the already released Dr. Kildare motion picture series, the studio hired Lou Ayers and Lionel Barrymore to reprise their screen roles as Dr. James Kildare and Dr. Leonard Gillespie, respectfully. Kildare was a compassionate, caring physician at Blair General Hospital, New York City. Gillespie, a crusty, lovable diagnostician. Lionel Barrymore became physically disabled before his screen role as Dr. Gillespie came to an end. Having already broken his hip twice, his condition deteriorated and he was confined to a wheelchair. Louis B. Mayer, the head of MGM, assured the actor that there would always be employment for him at the studio and he was true to his word. Barrymore was soon in front of the microphone playing the physically active Dr. Gillespie and the radio audience was none the wiser. A total of 78 transcription discs were produced and syndicated across the country on local stations with commercial time sold to local interests. Stations nationwide continued to air the story of Dr. Kildare on radio a few years after Barrymore's death in 1954. Time now for the first of two medical dramas of the story of Dr. Kildare. In this first episode, little Carolyn Shelley has an appendectomy. But where's her parents? Here's the story of Dr. Kildare from December 7, 1949. The story of Dr. Kildare. Whatsoever house I enter, there will I go for the benefit of the sick. Whatsoever things I see or hear concerning the life of men, I will keep silence thereon counting such things to be held as sacred trusts. I will exercise my art solely for the cure of my pain. The story of Dr. Kildare, starring Lou Ayers and Lionel Barrymore. Metro-Goldwyn-Mayer brought you those famous motion pictures. Now this exciting, heartwarming series is heard on radio. In just a moment, the story of Dr. Kildare. But first, your announcer. Dr. Kildare, starring Lou Ayers as Dr. Kildare and Lionel Barrymore as Dr. Gillespie. Blair General Hospital, one of the great citadels of American medicine. A clump of gray-white buildings planted deep in the heart of New York, the nerve center of medical progress, where great minds and skilled hands wage man's everlasting battle against death and disease. Blair General Hospital, where life begins, where life ends, where life goes on. Psst, Dr. Kildare. Hmm? Oh, oh, hello, Millie. Shh. 
Why the shh? What's up? Could I speak to you a moment, Dr. Kildare? Well, of course. Come in the reception room. No one will see us. Why, Millie, how clandestine of you. Dr. Kildare, my motives are completely above board. <laughs> are you sure? <laughs> What's your problem, Millie? Well, it, it's Dr. Gillespie. Now what? I think his mind is going. What? Well, he's a little past the age when he could be falling in love, isn't he? Not as long as he can open his eyes, he isn't. <laughs> Why? Well, I just happened to pass by, and I heard him calling a florist this afternoon, and I couldn't help overhearing what he was saying. Millie, you should never eavesdrop on conversations that don't concern you. I told you you were seeing too much of Nosy Parker. Whatever Dr. Gillespie was doing was none of the business of uh, the nurses or the staff of Blair General. What was he doing? Yeah, well, he told the florist he wanted some sweet peas for a charming young lady. Those were his own words. Charming young lady, he said. Sweet peas. Living dangerously, isn't he? And furthermore, he told me to cancel all his afternoon appointments at the hospital because he had a very important house call to make. Now, what do you make of that? I don't know what to make of it. But the thought of Dr. Gillespie sneaking off to date a young lady completely fascinates me. I think I'll stop by his office and see what I can find out. Kildare, why are you hanging around my office? I've got some thinking to do and you're interfering with it. What are you doing this afternoon? I'm working. What I do every afternoon. Got on your best suit, haven't you? Well, what the heck business is it of yours if I have? Fresh haircut, too. I get a fresh haircut every week. Go tend to your patients and never mind me. Oh, none of my patients need me this afternoon. Thought I might persuade you to go out someplace with me. I'm busy this afternoon. Oh, professionally or uh, otherwise? Why, Jimmy Kildare... You think I am leading a double life? Oh, no, no. <laughs> ah, come on now. Sure you do. You know you do. <laughs> no, it's just that well, seeing you all spruced up like you are, and <laughs> seeing that glint in your eye and putting two and two together, well, I... Uh... <laughs> well, 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 I guess you got me dead to rights, Jimmy. There's nothing for me to do but confess. There is a woman in my life. Ah, Attractive? Devilishly attractive. Brunette or blonde? Redhead. Well, we are living dangerously. <laughs> Care to come along and meet her? Oh, I certainly would. Okay. Put on your best suit and get a fresh haircut and meet me downstairs. Uh, now, wait a minute. I don't do that for my own dates. Ah, you don't know how to live, Jimmy. In my day, we really knew how to make a lady feel important and sought after. If you want to come with me, you'll have to do as I do. Well, it sounds pretty silly, but I'll do it. I'll meet you downstairs in an hour. Oh, good afternoon, Dr. Gillespie. Good afternoon, Miss Henderson. Uh, this is my friend, Dr. Kildare. Oh, I'm so happy to meet you, Miss Henderson. Mm. Dr. Gillespie has told me so much about come you. Come in. Just what did Dr. Gillespie tell you about me? <coughs> well, I realize you're a little early. What did Dr. Gillespie tell you about me, Dr. Kildare? Well, not very much, but enough to give me the idea. Hey, is Caroline ready for us, Miss Henderson? Really? I'm not deaf, Dr. Gillespie. Yeah, that is the whole trouble. Yes, Caroline's expecting you. You can go right in. This way, Jimmy. Hello, Carolyn. Why, hello, Dr. Gillespie. <laughs> Thanks for the flowers. They came a little while ago. Well, I'll be happy. Uh, sometimes I wish you were. Uh, this is my friend, Dr. Kildare. Jimmy, this is Carolyn Shelley. Hello, Carolyn. I'm very happy to meet you. I have been telling Dr. Kildare about you and me, Carolyn. We're going to be married, you know, Dr. Kildare. <laughs> really? Yes, as soon as I'm 20. I met Carolyn when she was born, and it was love at first sight. Well, I can certainly see why. And so, every so often, I pay a visit. What's that book you're reading, Carolyn? It's Beauty and the Beast. Oh, sort of uh, like uh, you and Dr. Gillespie, isn't it? Yeah, very funny, very, very <laughs> funny. Yes, yes, yes. Carolyn, how do you feel? 
I'm pretty good, except I've got sort of a tummy ache. Huh? Miss Henderson said I ate too much candy yesterday. Uh-huh. Hmm. You feel as if you had a temperature? Now, Carolyn, tell me if this... <laughs> It hurts, does it? <laughs> Carolyn, bend your right knee. That's it. Oh, it hurts. Kildare, uh-huh. uh, take a look at these abdominal muscles, will you? Mm-hmm. Are you right, Doctor? What's the matter? Oh, don't worry, Carolyn. Don't you worry. We know just what to do for it. You take a nap now, and I'll be back to see you a little later. Yes, Dr. Gillespie. You know, that's a chronic appendix. Better watch it. Let's talk to Miss Henderson. Uh, Carolyn's parents are separated. I think Miss Henderson had better call them, if there's any change for the word. I'm here in the sitting room, Dr. Gillespie. What did you say about Carolyn? She has a chronic appendix. She may need an operation. Oh, nonsense. She ate too much candy yesterday, and I told her while she was doing it that this would happen. All that child needs is a good dose of castor oil. No, please, no castor oil. Not while she has symptoms of appendicitis. It's an old-fashioned remedy, but it's always been a good one. No, 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 Miss Henderson, no. I definitely do not want her given castor oil. She's only to have very light foods. If the pains in her stomach continue or her temperature goes up, you call me immediately. Oh, Where's the girl's mother? She's taken a group of models up to Boston for a fashion show. Oh, I see. Well, if I don't hear from you before, I'll be back in the morning to see Carolyn again. Come on, Jane. Oh, uh, nice to have met you, Miss Henson. <clears throat> yes. We'll keep a close watch on her for a day or two. It's a darn shame about her parents. Her mother is a designer. Her father's a writer. Lives in Connecticut someplace or other. The two careers just got in the way of the marriage. Mm. What's the mother's name? Doreen Shelley. Miss Henderson didn't look as though she had very much confidence in what you were saying. I don't know. I don't know. I think we should try and locate Mrs. Shelley ourselves, just in case. to Boston, Dr. Kildare. Thank you. Hello? Hello, is this Mrs. Shelley? Yes. Who is this? Well, this is a Dr. Kildare at Blair General Hospital in New York. Oh, yes? What is it, Dr. Kildare? Uh, this is just a routine call, Mrs. Shelley. I visited your daughter this afternoon with Dr. Gillespie. Oh. She has an upset stomach. May not be anything, but we wanted to be sure we could reach you. Well, I think I'd better come back in the next plane. I'll be in around midnight. Oh. Uh-huh. Where can we reach Mr. Shelley? Oh, well, you'll have to try the hotels in Greenwich, Connecticut. I, I I, don't know exactly where he's staying. All right, Mrs. Shelley. We were worried because both of you were out of town. I see. Well, Dr. Gillespie has always been a worrier. I'll check with you when I get in. Goodbye. Did you get it? Oh, yes. I knew if I stepped out of here for a minute, the call had come through. What'd she say? Said she'd take the next plane back. Mm. Said we could try and locate Mr. Shelley at the hotels in Greenwich. She didn't know where he was. Miss Henderson hasn't called, so I guess Carolyn hasn't changed. Hello? This is Nellie Henderson. Who is this? This is Dr. Kildare. Can you come over right away, Dr. Kildare? Something's happened to Carolyn. Something's happened to Carolyn. Hello? Hello? Hmm. Hung up. Who was it? Miss Henderson, she said something happened to Carolyn. Ah, oh, you better get over right away to see the child. I'll make arrangements for an emergency operation. and I want you to operate. Well, how can I? We don't have permission from either of the parents. Well, I'll try and reach the father by telephone. You take the ambulance and get Carolyn over here. <laughs> had a seizure of pains at her waist. It wasn't anywhere near her appendix. It was at her waist. I I gave her a dose of castor oil. You were specifically told not to give her castor oil. How dare you take it upon yourself to ignore a doctor's orders like I that? I didn't think it was her appendix. A little while ago, she broke out in a rash and her temperature went up. Oh, here's her room. 
All right, bring out some towels and cold water for me. Bring some ice cubes. Yes, Dr. Kildare. Hello, Carolyn. How do you feel? I can't move. I can't move. I know. That's all right. Now, you just lie still and let me look at you. Where's Dr. Gillespie? Oh, he's waiting for you at the hospital. He wants you to come over there and be close by him. Now, won't that be nice? I'm afraid of the hospital. That's where people go to die. Oh, who told you that? <laughs> Miss Henderson. Oh, Miss Henderson hasn't been in a hospital in recent years, or she'd know that that's where people go to live. Uh, honey, in that hospital, you're going to be like a, like a fairy princess. Dr. Gillespie and I will fight each other to the death to see who's going to be your Prince Charming. <laughs> I'm so sleepy. So sleepy. Here are the towels and the ice, Doctor. All right. You help me pack this ice on her side. Yes, Doctor. There. Now, keep putting the wet towels on her head. She mustn't go to sleep. Do you understand? She no. must not go to sleep. Yes, Dr. Kildare. Now, where's the telephone? In the hall. I'll be right back. Blair General Hospital. Dr. Gillespie, please. Oh, I'll put him right on, Dr. Kildare. Hello? Oh, Dr. Gillespie, I think her appendix is ruptured. Oh, I was afraid of that. Yeah, she has a rash. It could be scarlet fever, or it could be the results of peritonitis. I don't know. We're going to have to operate immediately. We've been able to reach the girl's father. I located this hotel, but he was out. He'll call as soon as he comes in. How about Mrs. Shelley? I left word at the airport for her to phone as soon as she lands. Well, then I'll get Carolyn right over there. And if you know any prayers, you'd better start saying them. We return to the story of Dr. Kildare in just a moment. Dr. Kildare, starring Lou Ayers as Dr. Kildare and Lionel Barrymore as Dr. Gillespie. Dr. Gillespie? Doreen, I have the papers right here for you to sign. Yes, of course. Is she, is she all right? Well, we won't know for a while. That's right. Here, you sign your name right there on the bottom line. There. Oh, did you reach Jack? Yeah, he's on his way down. Oh, it'll break Jack's heart if, if anything happens to Carolyn. Well, Kildare's the finest young surgeon I know. Carolyn's in good hands. You you heard from Jack recently? Not too recently, no. Ah, let's see now. How old were you when you two got married? Well, you remember, I was 16. Ah. Jack was just past 18. Everyone said we weren't old enough, but we both were so sure and... We managed to talk our parents into letting us get married. Yeah, too bad it hasn't worked out, brother. Oh, it worked out for a while. And then Jack's stories weren't selling. I became a model and then a fashion designer. And Jack got sensitive about me paying the bills for a while. I don't see what it matters who pays the bills if two people love each other. Uh, Jack Shelley's on his way up, Dr. Gillespie. Oh, thank you, thank you. Oh, I'm so glad. Uh. We can go up to the reception room. Wait there. Dr. Gillespie, how is... Doreen. Jack. How is Carolyn? She's going to be operated on right away. We won't know until then. Come on. We'll go upstairs and wait. Scalpel. Sponge. Hemostat, tie, scalpel, 
like they've been in there so long. Now, don't you worry. Don't worry. Carolyn couldn't be in better hands. Oh, you feel so helpless, don't you? Now, she was crying for you when she first arrived here, Jack. She seemed disturbed because you hadn't been home. She kept asking when you were coming. Things like this are rough on kids, I know. Yeah. But Doreen and I thought if we were going to separate, well, it would be easier on her now than when she's older. I was very disappointed when you two broke up. Somehow I thought you were going to make a success of your marriage. I don't think I ever saw two youngsters anymore in love. Well, we... We used to have a lot in common. We don't have anything in common anymore. You have a child in common. You have all the plans and dreams you started out with. You have a future in common. If you only had the sense to hold on to it. Lorreen doesn't need me anymore. I think she does. You're right, Dr. Gillespie. I do. Uh, well, the truth of the matter is that things haven't been working too well for me. and Well, I'm not going to have my wife supporting me. Ah, all the stubborn, selfish, stiff-necked attitude. Jack, I thought you had more common sense. Marriage is a partnership, isn't it? You help each other out in a partnership, don't, don't you? Are you going to make your child unhappy? And your wife unhappy, and yourself unhappy, just because you're too pig-headed to accept a little help? Well, I have my pride. Ah, pride! It's a doggone expensive luxury sometimes. It is, particularly when you buy it at the expense of love. Well, I, I never thought about it like that. Well, that's the way it looks to Doreen and Carolyn, and and to me, doesn't it, Doreen? Oh yes, it does. Yeah. Jack, that's exactly the way it looks to us. Well, it's completed. How is, is she? She's all right. The operation was a success. Oh, thank you. Can't tell you that she'll live, though. We won't know that for at least three days. Three days? It'll take three days before the crisis will be over. Can we see her? Oh, she's under a sedative. You won't be able to talk to her. Oh, but if I... If I can just see you. Yeah, me too. All right, come with me. Dr. Kildare. Oh, it's you, Millie. Yeah, come in the reception room where we won't be heard. <laughs> you know, Millie, pretty soon people are going to start talking about us. Dr. Gillespie's been at it again. At what again? I heard him on the telephone ordering flowers again. This time it was carnations. Um. I couldn't hear who he was sending them to because he pushed the door shut. I almost caught my nose in it. Mm. You know what I heard him ordering this morning? What? A set of Grimm's fairy tales. <gasps> he's the strangest man. Mm. Do you think he's in his second childhood? Oh, I'm positive of it, Millie. Yeah, I thought as much. Well, now, if you'll excuse me, I want to have a word with him about a patient of ours. Mm -hmm. I want one of those dolls that wets his pants. Can you send one to cancer? Why, Dr. Leonard Gillespie. Kill Dad, get out of here. Go on, get out. Hello, hello. No, I don't want a doll I can give a permanent to. What would I want with a doll I could give a permanent to for? Look, I want a doll that wets its pants. It's for a little girl, and anyhow, it's none of your business. Look, I don't want to make a big production out of this. I want a doll for a little girl. Do you want to send it out for me, or shall I call some store that will? One of the things I love about you is your supreme tact. Oh, go on, sit on a scalp. Does the kind that wets its pants get a permanent, too? Well, all right, I'll send out one of those. To Dr. Leonard Gillespie at Blair General Hospital. Thank you. Goodbye. Ah, oh, sprach. It used to be that you could just call up and order a doll, but not anymore in this age of miracles and science. So what are you doing up here eavesdropping? What do you want? I just thought you might like to go up and see Carolyn with me. I would, I would. How is she? Setting up today, making wonderful recovery. Oh, well, let's go and see her. Her mother phoned a little while ago, and they're coming over, too. 
I'm anxious to see that family get back together again. Yeah, so am I. But that's a little out of my line. That I can't accomplish with a scalpel. Jimmy, my boy, when you've reached my age, you'll find you've accomplished something like that more times than you'd think possible. There's more kinds of heart trouble and more ways of healing it than you'd ever realize now. Come on, let's go and see the princess. Why, good afternoon, Dr. Gillespie. Good afternoon, Dr. Kildare. How are you, Carolyn? How do you feel, young woman? I feel fine. Dr. Gillespie, can a girl marry two men? At once? Mm-hmm. Oh, not without getting into an awful lot of trouble, no. Oh, that's too bad. Because I thought I might marry both you and Dr. Kildare. Oh, you did, Ed. You, you think he's prettier than I am, huh? Well, I do think he's prettier, mm-hmm. but... Out of the mouths of babes. But I think you're smarter, Dr. Gillespie. Ah, out of the mouths of babes. Come in. Mommy! Daddy! Hello, darling. How's my girl today? (laughs) I'm better. When can she go home, Dr. Kildare? A few days now. There. Did you hear that, Carolyn? Mm -hmm. We have a surprise for you, darling. Miss Henderson's gone for good. And Daddy's coming home to live with you and me. Oh, Daddy! Oh, I love you so. I love you so. Oh, baby. Just you wait till you see what we're going to do. Come on, Kildare. Kind of uh, gets you to see people that happy, doesn't it? Ah, nonsense. Now, don't go turning into a sentimentalist, Kildare. Oh, your eyes were getting a little misty ah, in there. Fiddly dee. You look pretty close to tears to me. Full from five feet. Mm, your voice is all rough. I am catching a cold. You're a very inconsistent man. I'm just not a sentimentalist. That doll you ordered just arrived, Dr. Gillespie. Oh, well, take it in to Carolyn. Well, yes, Dr. Gillespie. You know, Dr. Gillespie, you're a big phony. (laughs) That is a very shrewd diagnosis, Kildare. A very shrewd diagnosis. In just a moment, we will return to the story of Dr. Kildare. Once again, the story of Dr. Kildare, starring Lou Ayers as Dr. Kildare and Lionel Barrymore as Dr. Gillespie. Dr. Kildare, do you know what Dr. Gillespie's doing now? What's he doing now? He's playing with dolls. He is? Uh Uh-huh, he's in Carolyn's room. Go in and see for yourself. Well, I will. No way. Why? I'm the doctor on this case. What on earth are you doing? I'm feeding this doll water. What does it look like I'm doing? He's trying to get the doll to work. It won't work. Yeah, these dolls are phonies. Fakes. Oh, oh, (laughs) the darn thing broke. Confounded, I'm all wet. (laughs) Could be, Dr. Gillespie, could Mm. be. Now let's give the doll a permanent. Yes, I'd love to see you give a doll a permanent. All right, all right. Now you've had your fun. Now leave me alone. Just as you say, Doctor. As a matter of fact, I'll promise you right here and now I won't bother you again. Until next week. You have just heard the story of Dr. Kildare, starring Lou Ayers and Lionel Barrymore. This program was written by Gene Holloway and directed by William P. Russo. Original music was composed and conducted by Walter Schumann. Supporting cast included Lorene Tuttle, B. Benaderet, Marlene Ames, and Jack Edwards. 
Dick Joy speaking. the story of Dr. Kildare with Carolyn Shelley Appendicitis, starring Lou Ayers and Lionel Barrymore. Also in the cast, Lorene Tuttle, B. Benaderet, Marlene Ames, and Jack Edwards from December 7, 1949. All of the classic radio shows we present on this series are direct from the master recordings. I have more than 100,000 original radio episodes under license from the owners and estates, and we make them available via digital download or on CD through our Classic Radio Club. By joining the Classic Radio Club, you'll receive 10 superior-sounding classic radio shows sent directly to you each month, along with detailed liner notes and photos of the stars. You'll receive your first 10 classic radio episodes for only $1, and you can cancel at any time. To learn more about the Classic Radio Club, log on to ClassicRadioClub.com. That's ClassicRadioClub.com. I'll have another medical drama on the story of Dr. Kildare after this short break. Welcome back to the Classic Radio Theater. I'm your host, Carl Amari. This time, patient Janet Dane receives the first experimental cancer treatment at Blair Hospital. Here's the story of Dr. Kildare from December 14, 1949. The story of Dr. Kildare. Whatsoever house I enter, there will I go for the benefit of the sick. Whatsoever things I see or hear concerning the life of men, I will keep silence thereon, counting such things to be held as sacred trusts. I will exercise my art solely for the cure of my patients. The story of Dr. Kildare, starring Lou Ayers and Lionel Barrymore. Metro-Goldwyn-Mayer brought you those famous motion pictures. Now this exciting, heartwarming series is heard on radio. In just a moment, the story of Dr. Kildare. But first, your announcer. Dr. Kildare, starring Lou Ayers as Dr. Kildare and Lionel Barrymore as Dr. Gillespie. Blair General Hospital, one of the great citadels of American medicine. A clump of gray-white buildings planted deep in the heart of New York, the nerve center of medical progress, where great minds and skilled hands wage man's everlasting battle against death and disease. Blair General Hospital, where life begins, where life ends, where life goes on. I know you dislike sentimentalism, Dr. Gillespie, but, well, the best I'd hoped for was a chance to work with you on these Betatron treatments, and when instead you put me in full charge of the project. Ah, now, Kilday, don't start gushing around like an old maid at a fraternity dance. Forget it. Well, anyway, thanks. We're living in a high-speed age, Jimmy, and it affects medicine along with everything else. You younger men are the ones who'll have to keep up with it. It was only a few years ago that the sulfur drugs came along, then penicillin and, and the other antibiotics. A little later, the radioactive compounds, and now the beta drug. Well, every one of those has meant another big step forward in medicine and a lot of new problems and new techniques to be learned. 
Why, most of the formulas and calculations Miller has used in designing this machine come from a branch of mathematics I've never even heard of. Well, the further science advances, the more specialized it becomes, and the more interdependent. All you can do is take a fellow scientist's results on faith. Assume he's right and then go ahead. I'm willing to do that in this case. Uh, Bart Miller is one of the best mathematicians and physicists in the country. So my main concern now is the fact we can treat cancers lying close to the brain. Those we couldn't touch before with surgery, x-rays, or anything else. As you know, that's as important as... Pardon me, Dr. Kildare, but the specimen lab called. They've isolated the six guinea pigs you ordered and have them ready for oh, you. Oh, good, Parker. Will you have them sent down to the new lab in the basement? I'll be there later. All right, Dr. Kildare. I've scheduled the first test run with the machine for three o'clock this afternoon. Uh-huh. But what about the first human test? Oh, that won't be a test, Dr. Gillespie. It'll be a treatment. Oh. And the patient is uh, Janet Dane. Maybe you remember her. Oh, yes, yes, yes. The young artist who was in here for a diagnosis about a month ago. She had a throat cancer, high up on the left side, well advanced, and not treatable. Until now. She's coming in for consultation in an hour. I just talked with her on the phone. You know, I'm worried about her mental condition, though. She's got to want to get well. But apparently she doesn't even care. When we told her she had cancer, she seemed to lose all her belief in me and everything. Well, that's one problem you younger doctors still have to deal with, Jimmy. The problem of the human mind and heart and soul. There's no machine for that one. You'll have to solve that all As I understand it, Dr. Kildare, I'll, I'll be fastened in some sort of chair in a small room down in the basement while this uh, atom smasher shoots a narrow beam of high-frequency radiation through, through my throat. Yes, that's essentially correct, Miss Dane. Each treatment lasts about three minutes, and it'll take several of them before we know the results. You'll be able to hear the Betatron running, of course, but you'll have no other sensation and no pain. Nevertheless, I, I take it there is some danger involved. Well, not as far as we know. You'll be the first patient to be treated here at Blair, of course, but... Similar machines have been used successfully in other places. Well, then why all these precautions you told me about? Three-foot concrete walls on the room I'll be in and with lead shields around it and you and the other operators looking in at me through portholes. Well, there's quite a lot of difference between the careful controlling and focusing of that beam where you want it to go and, and just turning the radiation loose and permitting indiscriminate exposure to it. But with proper handling of the machine, there's, there's nothing to be frightened about. Oh, don't misunderstand me, Dr. Kildare. There's no question of being frightened. I've... Stop being frightened of anything. I know. I almost wish you were a little frightened. I, I mean, I, I wish you cared enough to be. Care? About what, my life? Why should I? When you told me a month ago I was going to lose it. No, not quite that. I said that without treatment you had around six months to live. But we're ready now to start treatment. But there's nothing really certain about this million-dollar gadget, is there? It's still only a chance. A very good chance, though. Oh, it's true, there are types of cancer that don't respond particularly to Betatron radiation, but I'm confident yours will. Would you still be as confident if you were in my place, Dr. Kildare? I know how it would sound if I said your life is more important to me than mine, so we'll let that go. But all our lives depend on chance. I could be killed by an automobile tomorrow, and you might live to be 90. Oh. Of course, there's some chance involved in this treatment, but all the odds are with us. You've got to believe and have faith. In what? I had faith in myself until... until this came along. So what can you put faith in? Well, if nothing else, why not me? I mean, in whatever knowledge and ability I have as a doctor, in the confidence I feel about the treatment. Suppose the treatment doesn't work. It will. You're so... you're so sincere and convincing. A person could believe in you easily. Could want to believe in you. Then give it a try, will you? You won't let me down, Dr. Kildare? No, Miss Dane. I won't let you down. Why, it's as plain as the nose on your face. 
That girl's falling in love with you. There's no doubt about it. Oh, that's ridiculous. You're always jumping to conclusions on, on insufficient evidence. I know the symptoms, Jimmy. And under the circumstances, it was inevitable. Every woman falls in love with her doctor at least once. <laughs> it's a psychological fact. Well, not Janet Dane. She isn't the type. Well, maybe she's not your type, but every woman is the type. Well, I hope you're wrong. I've been through that particular patient problem before. No, in fact, I know you're wrong. Okay, Kildare. I'm ready to go ahead on the tests whenever you are. All right, Bart, let's get started. Wayman, you can bring that first cage over now. Got you, boss. One live guinea pig coming up. (laughs) Cute little gopher, ain't he, Doc? Bart, is it safe to go inside now? Yes, everything's cut off. Go ahead. Come on, Joe. This room gives me the whim-whims. There's nothing in here but that one chair. It looks like an execution chamber. (laughs) It's intended to be just the opposite. Now, take that guinea pig out of the cage, Joe. I've got to strap him in place here on the head of the chair. Okay, boss. Here you are. Thanks. Say, he acts kind of (laughs) dopey. He's under a sedative. So he'll stay quiet during the test. Oh, this ain't gonna hurt the little fella, is it, Tom? No, you won't even know anything's going on. Now, there we are. Oh, come on, Joe. Let's get out of here. That's okay by me. That thing there looks like a machine gun pointing through the wall there. It's even got ring sights on it. When you fire a 30 million volt shot, it's a, it's a good idea to know where you're aiming. All clear, Bart. It's yours from here on. Okay. Roll them over, Jim. Right. Dr. Gillespie, you can use this porthole here if you like. Oh, thank you, thank you, thank you. I don't see nothing happening yet, boss. Speed steady at 21,000, Bart. All right. Cut in the primaries. Secondary plates are holding on 27.53, Bart. Good. Are the grids open? Yeah. 31, round the clock. Well, gentlemen, this is it. Test number one. On zero, Jim? Right. Ready. Now. I don't see nothing happening in there, Doc. No, and you won't see anything, Joe. The beam is invisible. Boy, that little gopher inside there sure don't seem to mind it, none. He doesn't even feel it. Well, two minutes and 43 seconds more to go. You've seen the whole procedure now, Miss Dane. That guinea pig in there is the eighth one we've tested this week. Three-minute exposures each time, and not one has shown any ill effects. Well, this one certainly seems to feel all right. Guess if a guinea pig can go through with it, I can too. When do we start? Well, the first treatment is scheduled for 9 o'clock tomorrow morning. I see. You've decided to take my advice. Yes. Whatever faith I have, it's all in you now. I... I guess that ought to put you on the spot. I suppose it does in a way, but thanks for doing it. Oh, Kildare. Oh, so you're still down here. Am I too late for the run? Yes, we just finished, Dr. Gillespie. Everything worked perfectly. Bart's there in the control room now making a final check over. Wrong, Kildare. I've just completed it. All okay. Oh, good. Gentlemen, I'll come in at 7.30 in the morning, have it warmed up, ready to roll any time from 8.30 on. Now, then it'll work out nicely. We're scheduled for 9. Well, how do you feel, Miss Dane? Better than I have any time for the past month, Dr. Gillespie. Thanks to my physician, who's a pretty wonderful guy, in case you didn't know it. Yeah, it fits in with a little theory of mine on psychology. Now, let's not go into that, Dr. Gillespie. Doc, they've been trying to call you up at the lab. You know what's happened? No, what is it, John? Them two guinea pigs you tested down here Monday are both dead. Dead? What? They just now found them killed over in their cages. Colder than the March Herring. Mm-hmm. Yeah, looks as though you'd better do some more testing before you start your treatments, Jimmy. It couldn't have been caused by the machine. Their blood count, cell structure, vasocardiac, reflexes, everything showed no damage after the tests. Now, they've died from something else. It's pure coincidence. Bound to be. 
Well, they certainly didn't get anything from Big Betsy here but a shot of straight high-freak radiation. I'll swear to that. Nothing else showed up on the test blocks or the recorders. Well, nevertheless, we better not take any chances with Miss Dane until we're sure what happened. No, I'm not afraid. Whatever Dr. Kildare says, that's all right with me. I have complete confidence in him. Even under the circumstances? Of course. It's a little matter of faith, you know. All right, Miss Dane. We'll go ahead with the first treatment as originally scheduled. We return to the story of Dr. Kildare in just a moment. Dr. Kildare, starring Lou Ayers as Dr. Kildare and Lionel Barrymore as Dr. Gillespie. Well, there's no use carrying the topsy any farther, Dr. Gillespie. Same condition in the lungs, congested and inflamed. This animal died from the same cause as the other one. Certainly, from pneumonia. I told you that three hours ago, Jimmy, without any autopsy. I know, but we still had to make sure. Uh, what time is it? Oh, after midnight. Mm. Well, I guess I better clean up this mess and get some sleep. You're still going ahead with that treatment in the morning? Yes. We don't know what caused the pneumonia, Jimmy. But I do know that it wasn't the Betatron. Hmm. Coincidence, then. Mm-hmm. Yes. Those two guinea pigs were left overnight in that basement lab. It's damp down there. They may come from a susceptible strain. They were new specimens, delivered only the day before. They may even have been infected when they came to the hospital. Well, there's possibility, yeah. Well, there's, there's nothing sure about any one of them. No, but as far as I'm concerned, these things are sure. One, when Bart Miller says the machine is functioning perfectly, I'm sure that it is. Mm. Two, I'm sure there's no medical theory to account for high-frequency radiation causing pneumonia without at least some evidence of cell damage or blood deterioration or, or some of the other signs we've looked for tonight. Three, I'm sure that without treatment... Janet Dane will be dead in less than six months. Well, Jimmy, it's your decision. And it's a hard one any way you look at it. The girl has a lot of confidence in you. I know. It's the one thing she's clinging to now. Plus, of course, the fact that she's in love with you. No, you're wrong about that. Well, maybe, maybe. Anyway, what are you going to do? Cancel the treatment or go ahead? Well, Janet said her confidence was only as strong as mine. <laughs> All the knowledge and skill I have tells me there's no reason for delaying that treatment. I, I know I'm right, and I'm going ahead with it. The schedule is still 9 o'clock in the morning. Dr. Gillespie, we're ready to roll any time Kildare gets here with the patient. Good. He's due any minute now. Jim and I have gone over Big Betsy with a fine-tooth comb. Hmm. Everything works perfectly. I'd stake my life on it. Well, in a way, we are staking a life on it. Dr. Gillespie, when I think what that poor child has to go through, I just get so nervous I could scream. Oh, fine, Parker. That's all we need to build up Miss Dane's courage. A screaming nurse waiting to greet her. Well, after what I heard you and Dr. Kildare saying last night, I certainly can't be very calm about this. By the turn, eavesdropping. I was not. I only happened to overhear it. Oh, sure you did, Snoopy. Oh, I know just how she feels, Doc. I mean, sir, it ain't like there was a guinea pig in there. This time it's going to be a real live thing. Wayman... You're an ambulance driver, and you've got no business down here. Get out. Yeah, yeah, but what if she maybe passes out, maybe, and we got to haul her off on a stretcher or, or, or something? Oh, confound it. This isn't an execution. It's an attempt to save a human life. 
So stop acting like members of a death watch. Dr. Gillespie, here she is. Uh. Well, Dr. Kildare, I seem to have quite a welcoming committee. Morning, everyone. Morning. Morning. Well, how do you feel, Miss Dane? Oh, fine, Dr. Gillespie. Hmm. Well, can't someone at least smile? This isn't an execution, you know. <clears throat> yeah. How about it, Bart? Already in your department? Sure. Anytime. Roll him over, Jim. Right. I guess there's no point in delaying things, Miss Dane. Shall we go on inside? Yes. Let's get it over with. Well, we who are about to die salute you. About to live, Miss Dane. Dr. Gillespie, if I didn't believe that, too, I, I wouldn't be joking about it. All right, Dr. Kildare, let's go. This room was made less scary when the guinea pig was in here and I was outside. Well, you'll be outside again in a little over three minutes. Now climb into that chair and we'll get you settled. Uh, like so? That's right. Just lean back against the headrest. All right. Good. Put your arms like there. Now all you have to do is sit here for three minutes. Don't move. Don't turn your head. And this microphone here will pick up your heartbeat while this tube on your arm registers blood pressure. I see. I'll be following them on recording dials outside the window there. And if you get nervous or want the thing stopped for any reason, just press this button under your hand and we'll shut off the whole works. You got it? Yes. I won't press the button, though. Oh, good girl. You've got a lot of courage, Miss Dane. Believe me, Doctor. It's going to be all right. I know it is. I wonder if you'll know what I mean when I tell you I love you. Well, I guess it's... <laughs> you don't know. But you will when I'm well again. Miss Dane, you're a very beautiful woman, <laughs> but... Thank you, Doctor. I, I um, suppose we may as well get started, don't you think? All right. I'll be at the window. I I'm not worried, Dr. Kildare. All right, Bart. It's up to you. Okay. Cut in the primaries, Jim. Hold steady on those grids. Right. Kildare, will you do the siding? All right, Bart. That poor child. Parker, shut up. It's dead on, Bart. Go ahead whenever you're ready. Secondaries at 28.25, Bart. Grids are in. Here goes. All right, Jim. Cut her loose. Good luck, honey. Jeepers, she's sitting there and taking it without batting an eyebrow. She's so brave. I just can't get over it. She seems nervous, Jimmy. Starting to wet her lips and nothing wrong, is there? Mm, heartbeat is steady, blood pressure normal. No, everything's all right, Dr. Gillespie. 30 seconds. Look, Dr. Gillespie, she must be all right. She's smiling. Parker, that's the smile of a woman in love. Why, I didn't know that. With whom? With Kildare. Well... Now, now, it's the smile of a woman who's convinced she's going to live. A woman who's just got to live. Wayman, let's get the door open and bring her out. Okay, boys. Well, she came through it okay, Dr. Gillespie. I hope so, Jimmy. The guinea pig didn't die until the second day. No, I'm not worried about that. All I'm hoping is that these treatments work. Hmm. Of course, we realize some cancers aren't susceptible to this, but we won't know for three weeks or more. Well, as far as I could see, everything worked like a charm, Kildare. When do you plan to give her the second treatment? Oh, day after tomorrow, she's feeling all right. And, uh, oh, nice work, boy. Thanks. Well, Dr. Kildare, was I, uh, was I not a good patient? How do you feel? Fine. A little shaky's all. Miss mm. Parker's going to take you up to your room now. You can have breakfast whenever you want it. I'll see you a little later. Uh, oh, and Miss Dane, you were a perfect patient. Well, you know why, Dr. Kildare. That's right, Bart. Treatment number four is scheduled for 10.30 in the morning. Right. Bye. It's not that I mind the treatments, Dr. Kildare, but when are we going to know? Still too soon to be able to tell, Miss Dane. You've just got to be patient, that's all. I don't know, Jimmy. She's had ten treatments now, and neither the x-rays nor the measurements show any change in the size of that cancer. I just don't know. 
That's right. Treatment number 14, nine tomorrow morning. All right, Mr. Miller. Goodbye. X-rays again at two this afternoon. Why, Dr. Kildare? Nothing's going to happen. It's been over two months and you told me three weeks. Yes, I know, Miss Dane. I... Well, all we can do is to keep trying. I... I'm sorry. All right, I'll be there, too. Good morning, Miss Dane. Oh, Dr. Kilda. You've got my x-rays. That's right. Dr. Gillespie and I just finished reading them. What did... I mean, did, did they... Skipping the technical details, the cancer is no longer malignant. It's starting to atrophy, decrease size. That's also borne out by the measurements we made yesterday. Then you mean that... I mean it should be completely absorbed within two months. Miss Dane, you're cured. Oh. Oh, Dr. Kildare, I love you. Well, I... I am sure you think you do. Oh, but... I don't think I do. I know it. Well, let me put it this way. It's... It's a psychological fact that women very often imagine themselves in love with their doctors. Of course, it's only temporary, but... Oh, silly. I'm not that sort of giddy female. When I came to you, I was lost. I was scared. I knew I was going to die, and I didn't even care. But you made me care. You gave me hope and courage and faith that I loved you for it. So I put my life in your hands, and now you've given it back to me. That's why I say I love you. I'll never forget you. Jimmy, thank you for my life. Thank me? Why? You know, I've always believed that life is the most precious stuff on this earth. That's why I'm a doctor, Janet. So if you did put your life in my hands, and if I did save it, then I'm humbly grateful for the chance. In just a moment, we will return to the story of Dr. Kildare. Once again, the story of Dr. Kildare, starring Lou Ayers as Dr. Kildare and Lionel Barrymore as Dr. Gillespie. Dr. Gillespie, you remember Janet Dane? Dane? Janet Dane? She was in here some months ago. You know, the first patient we treated after the Betatron was installed. Uh, Oh, sure, of course I remember her. Whatever happened to her? Oh, she got cured and went away. Uh, bravely stifling her mad infatuation for me. What? Don't you remember? You had quite a theory at the time that Miss Dane was desperately in love with me. Ah, confound it. She was in love with you. Probably still is. Jimmy, it's a psychological fact. I, I know that every woman falls in love with her doctor at least once in her life. Mm-hmm. That's a pretty ridiculous theory, Dr. Gillespie. Well, now, you don't know for sure just because the girl kept her feelings hidden. Why no now, all right. She called me up this afternoon. Well, now. She wanted to tell me she was married last week. Hmm? Well, I guess I'd better get back to work. So long. Uh, Oh, Parker. How would you like to do me a favor? Why, of course, Dr. Kildare. Well, Gillespie's in there tearing a pet theory to pieces with his teeth. What? And let him stew for about ten minutes. And then go in and tell him that the man Janet Dane married works over at the medical center. He's a research doctor. You have just heard the story of Dr. Kildare, starring Lou Ayers and Lionel Barrymore. This program was written by Les Crutchfield and directed by William P. Russo. Original music was composed and conducted by Walter Schumann. Dick Joy speaking.
That's the story of Dr. Kildare, with Janet Dane, Experimental Cancer Treatment, starring Lou Ayers and Lionel Barrymore from December 14, 1949. Stick around, I'll give you our lineup for episode 81 of the Classic Radio Theater after this short break. Next time, on episode 81 of the Classic Radio Theater, brought to you by the Bradford Exchange, we'll hear two comedy episodes of Fibber, McGee, and Molly from 1948. So don't miss it. To reach me and to learn more about the Classic Radio Club, visit ClassicRadioClub.com. Be sure to tune in to our next show. Thanks for listening. <laughs>